All right, you guys, let's get this started then, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record? Right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. Hey, everybody. We have reached the penultimate episode of season one of Crazy People Doing a Podcast. Welcome to the Crazy People Podcast. Uh, I am Russ, and the smarter and better looking one in the other box there is Maurice. (laughs) (laughs) And so today we thought we'd do a little something different um, than our normal guest episodes because we've had so many great guests uh, in season one. We talk a little bit about uh, maybe best of. Um, And one of the things, Maurice, I think we've seen over and over and over again is that people have weird origin stories, backstories. Why did they start something? Uh, Really comes comes from all over the place, but lots of really motivational stories what do you think i think you're you're absolutely correct there i mean first of all we are closing out season one right so we have uh, this episode and one more episode to go then we are at uh, 25 episodes for this first season which i think is an amazing yeah and awesome. um throughout those 25 episodes or technically i think about 20 with guests in them um what we've seen a lot is uh that People found companies out of a position of there's a need, they're mm-hmm. looking for a solution, they don't find a solution, and then they're like, huh, why do I not solve that issue, that problem, that challenge that is out there? And that is one side of it, I think. And the other side is um, people actually finding a problem product and then saying like, hmm, that problem exists in that market. Why do I not bring it to my market? Because yeah. I think people here are going to need the same kind of help or support. And then there's actually a third one, even though I I, I phrase it up like there's only two. <laughs> people are running into, into a situation that they really messes them up mentally mm-hmm. and that they're really fed up about. And they're thinking like, okay, this cannot continue. We need to change this. And then they become the change agent the leading force behind that. And um, I think we have a couple of clips for each of those. And uh, it's going to be very exciting. We're going to go as far back as episode two with Jeff and uh, become very recent with some of the other episodes. Um, Enjoy. I found myself looking for a job. But I gave myself, I gave my former employer two and a half months notice. So just through some weird circumstances, I knew I was leaving the hospital that I was working at, but I didn't know where I was going to land. It was too early. I mean, there were jobs posted. I knew, I mean, the market was for what I was doing at the time um, was open. So, and I was good. So I knew I'd find someplace, but it was too early to start looking and so when my resignation was announced, there was a woman sat next to me and she said, Jeff, where, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, Rose, I'll, I'll figure it out. We got some time. She said, why don't you get into selling? I said, are you, are you still talking to me? I, did we just switch conversations here? And uh, she said, no, I, I think you'd be really good at this. And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. But I was 24 years old. I had you know, no reason not to take an interview that she set up for me. 
And so I kind of pursued it. And over the course of a summer, I remember um, kind of being courted by this firm of products. I was, my degrees in sports medicine. And so there was, um, it was an orthopedic sales job. So I spoke the language, the, the, the people, the, the physicians that I was working for at the time um, at that hospital would have been my customers. And the person who offered me the job, he said, look, I know you can do this. I know you don't know anything about business. I know all this other stuff, but you're a good person. You're a hard worker. You speak the language and everybody that works with you told me to hire you. So like, you want to give this a shot or what? And I had no reason to say no. It just felt like an interesting kind of um, progression. And I tell you that story so I can tell you the rest of the story. I was, I was with that firm for about three years. I left that firm because um, I, was, I wasn't having a lot of success. But I also felt at the same time, like I was stifling a lot of my intuition, right? There were a lot of times where I tell myself, I, I feel like I should do it this way, you know, let's say. And then the resistance, uh, Stephen Pressfield, I was just listened to a podcast with Stephen Pressfield before I got on here today. And, and the, the resistance, what he calls that voice in your head that says, no, 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 you, 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 you can't do it that way. <laughs> and I fought that. And then um, finally... I realized that I needed to make a change because I thought I could be really good at it, but just didn't feel like it was the right situation. So I went to another company. It was a better situation. It was the best job I ever had. And one of the things that I did right away was I committed. And I said, if you can't do it this way, Jeff, don't do it. Maybe this just isn't for you. And my career took off. All of a sudden I was having success. All of a sudden that feeling of confusion and stifling this intuition and everything went away. Um, when I started to feel that way again, when it became clear to me that this just wasn't the right position for me to be in, um, I started to look at other opportunities. Um, I knew that I was doing things differently. I knew that I was doing things in a way that I thought I could help other people kind of learn from. And I decided to open a coaching, a sales coaching training and consulting company. And as serendipity would happen uh, or, or would have it rather, the, um, I had a small opportunity with the blessing of my company that I was going to work on the side. And then I was going to just build this business and eventually leave that firm. Um, a small opportunity turned into a big opportunity. And it was a Sunday afternoon in June. I looked at my wife and I said, I guess we own a business now. Let's try to figure out how to run it. Yeah. Well, to be honest, we also didn't end up here on purpose. Um, my, my co-founder and I, um, we're best friends all throughout undergrad um, in Spain and grad school as well, and just kind of stumbled into becoming startup founders. Um, I think for us, entrepreneurship was never something that we were aiming for, um, but we were witnesses to a really bad sexual harassment case mm -hmm. um, that affected many people in our circle. And I think while the fact that it happened while it was upsetting, it wasn't very surprising just because of the frequency at which these things happen. But what was upsetting and you know shocking to us was just how bad the processes were when it came to the resolution. Um, and so, you know, we conducted eight to nine months of research. We are academics at heart. Um, we love doing our research, and there was very, very little research out there at the time. Um, my co-founder's background is also in data analytics, so we tried to be as data-driven as possible and just kept finding, you know, people don't report, people are afraid of retaliation, um, companies tend to address cases on a case-by-case -case, um, system, 
there is often no consistency in terms of processes. Um, and you obviously have larger companies that have very defined processes in place and there is a sequence that they follow, but whether they work or not, that's sort of up to debate just based on the statistics. I did a normal studies. I studied chemistry actually, um, because I wanted to do something for the environment back then. Um, and then um, because of personal development of my personal life, I had to change things. I had to um, start something new. And I found actually a very interesting thing in 2008. 2008, I found um, my first funnel online. Back then, the internet was more like a like a big round of a lot of um, websites um, that, that were more big uh, um, cards, like big portraits of people like telling who they are, what they can offer, um, that were not really like um, made for customers to, to do something, something specific. And uh, that one was fascinating, actually. It was a page where you did not have anything to do at you. The only thing you could do at actually was to give in your email address. Oh, and it said, um, you will learn this and that and that if you follow this path and give the email address. And um, it looked weird. It looked like scam uh, because in 2008, you never would see a page like that. But yeah. I, I um, put in my email address. I found actually good information to that subject that I was very interested in. Um, followed that whole path and became uh, a member of a little uh, group or movement, or let's say. And I, I found it so interesting that I wanted to start the same thing in, in German as well. So the interesting thing about this is actually um, that back then the, 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 top, the topic was, it was actually how to date girls. That was a topic I was interested in back then. <laughs> yeah. So um, it helped me actually with information, ebooks, and video courses uh, where someone talked about how you could approach girls and how you could make yourself a masculine personality and how you how you could date other the other sex. Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful actually. And I thought, especially here in Germany, where we have a lot of shy guys, this would be a nice thing for us here too. And um, I knew back then I had I had like 10 grand on my bank account. I had saved that up for uh, the, in the, in the years before. And the, that guy that talked about online dating, actually he sent all these newsletters about this topic. And then one day he said, actually my name, uh, I, have, I have a different name. This was, this was all a pen name I used for um, giving you all this information about dating. My actual name is this and that. And I, I created an online business with $10 million in, in, in revenue. And I can teach guys how to do that in any other topic as well. And I will invite everyone who's interested uh, to a seminar here in, in Los Angeles. And that seminar was actually 10 grand in US dollar. And from the exchange rate, I could see, okay, from the 10 grand I had, I could pay also the flight and hotel. And I flew mm -hmm. out to that person. Um, learn everything from him, how he did his funnel thing, which was actually back then pretty new. Um, I had never seen anything like that. In America, this whole scene of creating like little funnels where you give in your email address and sell the product was just growing back then. And uh, yeah, I flew uh, home with a license deal with this person and then actually sold his dating advice uh, products in Germany. That was really nice. Now you heard uh, different perspectives of how people started their companies. 
Um, something else that we ran into is starting a company is nice and everybody can do that. Um, but um, I think with Siobhan, um, Russ, we ran into yeah. a situation where I think she was quite open and honest about the challenges that arise while you're already on the way, while you already signed a humongous customer and then problems arise uh, and they still hit you. What do you think? Yeah. As I was, as we were talking to her, Siobhan Lindley from Ion Learning, um, I was envisioning the movie, like the the trailer from that movie, The Perfect Storm, you know, there's this giant wave and the ship is like sailing up the wave. It's like, I'm like, ooh. Now we, we know Siobhan on the other side and we're talking to her after. So we know she made it through The Perfect Storm, but man, right. that's a, what a story. What a story. So how do you deal with those moments? I always call them the Sunday night moments where truth comes and finds you and <laughs> you have to deal with it. How do you how do you deal with it in that situation that you were in, right? Pregnant, five months, a big, big customer that has a lot of expectations set in you, but also yeah. you have a lot of expectations for yourself, right? Which might be much tougher than whatever anybody outside could do. So how do you deal with that at that quiet moment where you think like, holy crap, what did I do, right? How did we get there? Um, I Building your own business is like a mirror for every self-limiting belief you could possibly ever have. And it reflects back to you And if you're paying attention and you're willing to see the greatest opportunities to grow and step up to the next level. And so it's being able to recognize those as this is, I am in the fire and I'm in the fire because I'm getting ready to transform into something to the next level. And so I think that every time I thought my life was over and I was like crying myself to sleep and didn't know why and how it would be so hard in hindsight, It was our biggest moments of growth. So now when I rub up against that, like today, we are rubbed up against some friction right now with a new potential client that, you know, there's hard. And then there's just like, is it worth it? Is it truly worth it? And what's the sacrifice that we're going to make as a small business by saying no? And I've never done that before because we've just said yes and just go with it, right? But yeah. now it's like, I think we're going to say no to a crazy, crazy, crazy company. Yeah. And I don't really know, but I know that this uncomfortableness is like what happens in me physically now because I'm so attuned to this. And I have a deep like meditation practice and breath work and a lot of things that I do. We can talk about that. That's a whole other crazy part of my life. <laughs> But like I physically know in, in my body when the, something is right or wrong. And it is um, something that guides me on a daily, daily basis that I know if, if I'm if I'm operating from my heart or not, you know, and I think that as long as you are doing that with your products, especially a product that's meant to be both very human centered and around relationships and building, building connection, like we have to live and breathe our values. So our values have been the anchor, you know, integrity back in the day with Walmart. I promised them that we were going to have a program that was going to help these underrepresented talent 
get the peer support they were going to need and the education to help them grow. I wasn't going to go back and say no to that because we had already promised that. I just had to go solve this other problem. And luckily my co-founder was able to do that. So I think like following through with your word has made us stay as long as we have in all of those early days, because like, I don't, I don't want to, too many companies depend on us. People depend on, on, on this and it's, it's helping them like, like their job more, you know, like enjoy what they're doing and pushing them. And it's like dissolving titles and they're humanizing this work experience. And um, it's very motivating. All right. That was quite a, that was quite a trip. Um, now I, as a marketing person, I, I have to bring up Shikari um, crap. What's this desk called again? Besk. Backpack Besk. desk. Okay. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From this clip uh, with Siobhan, now we get into something more marketing-like, um, something that I like with Jakari and his Besk desk uh, in a backpack. Um, I like this approach to getting feedback from users and have... Yeah really involve you oh, yeah. in finding out what the best solution is. You that have uh, bought a desk like this, uh, yes. tell about, uh, speak about your experience that you made. It's actually with. right over there on the other side of this camera. Um, Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was actually, it, it's such a cool strategy, right? Because you you unbox it and there's there's like extra parts and a note that says, hey, try this. We, we're thinking about this idea. And just Jakari and his team's kind of innovation of sort of thinking on the fly and just trying it out, but not not in a very conventional way. Just like go get it and get it done. Super motivational. Love it. Plus, he's just an awesome guy to, to check out. So, Yeah, let's uh, dip into a, a little bit of very positive energy and uh, hear from the man himself. So we have our own ideas as a team on like different iterations that we can make and improvements. But also um, I've learned just through like uh, research and things like that. You can always innovate a product, but you want to innovate a product to a point where like you're taking the feedback from your market to make that product better in their ass. So I can say all day, like, it'd be cool if it had rockets on here and we could do backflips <laughs> off of it and it sounds cool, but no one would buy it. Whereas like, Someone could just say, you know what? Um, I wish the desk was a little larger. And I was like, all right, that's probably a lot cheaper than adding rockets on here. Um, <laughs> and maybe a lot more people may actually agree with that. So I feel like listening to like the people that have actually paid money for your product, that want to see it succeed, and that actually use it on a day-to-day -day basis in different fields, because we've noticed that I, I originally built it as like a, a student, but a lot of people aren't necessarily using it in like student applications, but in other applications that we may have never, never even thought about. Uh, and they're also giving us feedback on like what they think may be great or something as little as you have good instructions, but they could be better. So like working on instructions to the point where now we've added like a video that goes along with our instructions so they can see like how we manipulate the best in order to transform it. Um, yeah, I love that consumer 
consumer-based feedback because it also helps strengthen that relationship between us and the customer. But we're not just putting a product out, but we're also trying to like maintain that relationship. And literally some feedback, they're like, oh, could we add this? And honestly, sometimes we make the piece and we'll send it to them to test it out. Like, let us know what you think about it. So we can kind of like build that one-on-one relationship because we know that these really early on relationships can literally make or break us as a company. So it's kind of interesting. I, I, uh, I ordered a, I ordered a best because I saw Jokari early on in his, in his Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and, and got it in and there was extra parts in it. And they were like, here, so there's extra brackets here to give it more support. Try these out, see what you think of it, which, which I thought is a really cool way to, to kind of iterate on the product. It's not even, like, oh, I'm going to release a new feature and then sell the new feature and then get people to to try it. It's like, I'm going to just proactively push it out there and say, is this a, is this a better thing? Is this, you know, which is, which is really cool. So the, the question there, Jakari, is, is, is that just like your natural approach of like, let's try something, let's get it out there, let's figure it out. Or did you learn that along the way? Did somebody teach you that? Um, My thought process is, uh, I, Early on, I really wanted to be a perfectionist. I was really big into art, and I would never let people see my art until like it was finished. Yep. Um, and if I messed up on like one stroke, I'll just restart again. Uh, but then I got to the point where I was doing like more and more like learning and things like that, and it takes a long time and almost impossible to make anything perfect, especially from scratch. Uh, so it's talking about like get the feedback from the people who would use your stuff and see what they think about it. And early on. Um, a little bit after the Kickstarter, I remember we had um, <laughs> a lot less well put together best than we do now. <laughs> and we were um, unsure about the stability of it. It had way less stability than it had now. And some of the team was like, yes, release it. Other half was like, nah, don't release it yet. So I said, you know what? Let's see what people think. So I, I took one to the waterfront, which is like right off the river here in Louisville. And I would find people. I said, like, can you just test this out for me? Let me know what you think. And I, I would give it to people and they would test it out, unflip, like flip it out, put stuff on top. And literally the first reaction of the first person goes, wow, this is the surprisingly stable. And like, it's the complete opposite of what we thought. We're like, what? It doesn't, he's like, no, it moves, but it folds out. Like I thought it would just like fall over. It's like it folds out from something totally else. So it's like in your mind, it wouldn't be super stable, but once you set it up, he's like, I could put water on here, a drink, book, anything. It's like, it's not to the point where anything will fall off. And we loved that. But at the time, it took some time for, it was during COVID. So we couldn't get a lot in a lot of pieces. Uh, so we still continue to like work on ways to make it even more stable, even though that base said it's good to go. We're like, we're going to make it better just because we have some time because of delay in pieces. Man, I love Jakari Beatty. What a story. Yeah, and from that, uh, maybe a, a change of pace. Dr. K, Fern Caslow, uh, talking about how she's finding purpose in, in her business and her uh, pursuits. What do you think, Maurice? I I mean, the entire interview was fantastic with her. Yeah. I, we talked about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> And then puppies and then all that. But overall, we talked about inspiration. We talked about how important it is uh, to find your position in life in general, but especially as a as a leader, as um, somebody in business, that um, you really know have to know who you are 
in order to represent yourself and your company authentically. And um, that there's a lot of purpose behind it. And um, yeah, just listen, listen to her and be inspired. Yeah, the way she, the way she lives into her purpose. Good stuff. Check it out. It's interesting because I look at a lot of things in terms of our purpose. And, you know, there's uh, that way of looking at life that life happens to me or life happens for me. And I've been talking about like a next level of that with a friend because he said, I decided that I'm going to look at everything that happens as I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And I said to him, that's what I talk about in session because the next step from life happens for me is what do you do with it, right? How are you aligned with it? So if you take the challenge and not only don't say, oh, it happened to me, it happened for me, but then act accordingly, you are on your purpose. So even if you maybe not don't get a specific job or contract or your book doesn't get the contract it wants or whatever, you are on your purpose. And then that is winning because I believe that we're here in life with a purpose. I haven't said before about like dogs, right? Their purpose is to be here for us, but they shouldn't be slammed in the process. They should be able to live fully, joyfully in that process. So when we take that life is happening to me, to for me, to what do I do with it? And it doesn't mean we have to feel good about it. I've had a lot of life and death situations. I've had, I had a major I call it an accident in quotes because I'm not, I don't really believe in accidents, but it was an event. And one of the things that was pivotal in my career and my work, um, it actually happened right when I had a major, major media campaign. I was booked on every show. I had a book out to publishers. It was just like everything was going fantastic. And I had this big event, life-changing, followed by a mess of surgeries, um, trying to avoid more, uh, but it was it was a lot. And what was interesting about it, besides, I've never said I'm glad it happened, right? Yeah. Um, but I do get how it fits and how I can use it. But mm -hmm. one of the things that I've grown with is the, when it first happened, I was lying on a gurney and I had to be transferred to a special trauma center because there are only five doctors in the world that could operate on what I had managed to do to myself. Um, and I was lying in the hallway, drugged out of my mind, talking to the doctors and nurses about how I was going to use this to help me grow and help my clients and patients grow. I was like, I was literally drugged out. But I remember the conversations. I remember the nurses. I remember the doctors. I remember a lot of people thought I was crazy, but others were fascinated. Who is this woman like in this mega situation having this conversation with us? What was interesting is that down the road, I realized that while it's a really good perspective, many of us wear it like a badge of a badge of honor that we can push through anything and use it. And the part that I didn't realize till a number of years later was that I hadn't really integrated the trauma. I hadn't really grieved the downside that something happened that not only I could barely walk for three years, I was in crazy pain for years, then it got better. Now it's been really bad again. It was life altering in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. And I do believe it was part of my purpose because I was one of those people like I could push through anything. And I didn't get that full impact, which is a huge part of what high achievers do. 
we wear that like that badge. Like I can push through anything. I can compartmentalize, push it down, use it as fuel. That's a big one we talk about. And all of that has its place, but not at the cost of integrating the trauma and really healing through it and growing on a purpose, but not getting kind of, you know, it, you can even feel it if you think about it when you're in that place. Like I used it, but I wasn't really, I, I have a friend who's probably near a hundred right now. She's one of these old wise women. And we were talking about it one day. I was talking about what happened and she said, your work would never have had the depth. It was really good. Everybody thought it was deep. You were booked every place, but you would not have had the depth that you've come to. And it didn't come for a few years after the accident. Yeah. It didn't come right away. It was really after a lot of process where I was literally sitting on a Zoom with somebody and it was like, it was just like, oh my God, this is not, it's just, it's not integrated. Well, some, sometimes I think too that that can be a weakness for people who are, who see themselves as high achievers. This, this sort of mindset of I can push through anything. They don't stop to go, okay, what, what did I just push through and actually go back and process that? They just get this sort of, I'm going to be a mental superhero and just crush everything. And, and they don't realize that sort of the toll that it takes, but, but also to your point, the lessons that you learn from it, from, you know, from hitting that wall and, and then overcoming, right. Mm -hmm. Or from, from falling down and standing back up. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I think that that can actually, it can be a, a problem for people. So how do you, how do you help people see that, <laughs> okay, see both sides of that coin? Right. It's really, it's a really good question. And it's interesting what you're saying, because most of the, you know, quote unquote gurus or big marketers or big coaches, mentors teach that. They teach those high achievers, you know, push through. It's like, it really is what the goal is. And even if mm -hmm. more people are paying lip service to dealing with trauma, but they don't know how to do it in the depth. So your question, you know, would be hours, you know, more, but I'll give a quick answer. I mean, is it, yeah. you know, I mean, we studied it for years. Um, and I think people are getting on the trauma bandwagon, which is good and not good because there's a, there's a lot of, um, importance about how you approach trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's not to push through, it's not to re-traumatize and how you tell the story and you, you know, go over and over. So it really is a, you know, my dog training friends, the best of them talk about see the dog, right? It's like see the person. So I really think that it's one of the reasons that I am training coaches and consultants, because as therapists, depending on the kind of therapy you're trained in, you do learn more of this, you know, to be careful of the defenses. So it's to look at the trauma and help people not re-traumatize, not get stuck in reliving it over and over. Sometimes it's not even right to go through it. You have to know mm -hmm. your timing, but it's to build somebody up to be able to deal with the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the energetic, and the body, because trauma is stored in our body. So it really is helping people release in little bits. This is not like we do it in five minutes and oh, like I have this high and now I'm great. No, it's a process that can be very, you know, again, it depends on the person, but it can be slow. It's protective. It really is going to that place where it's different for everybody and some different mix for some people is more mental for some, it's more in their body.
but it really is learning to go there and release the trauma. And it is really cleaning it out on those different levels. And how long it takes, you know, people always ask me, how long is this going to take? Um, you know, it's like, I don't know how long it's going to take because I don't know how fast your system, like your nervous mm -hmm. system, how much protection you need. I mean, people, that's the whole thing about the resistance paradox is that people think resistance is bad. I think resistance is beautiful because it is one of the most protective mechanisms mm -hmm. that we have. The problem is that we're not supposed to push through it. We're supposed to like look at same as with trauma, like why am I resisting? What is that telling me? Often it's about trauma. How can I move through it in a way that's healthy for me? It's to me, again, it's, a, it's this incredible gateway. I just got a really nice comment made by someone. I'd done a podcast for their boss and they sent me a message saying, uh, basically Dr. K, like since listening to the podcast, I see resistance totally differently. She was like, this is an amazing thing you're doing for the world. This is such a gift to the world. She said, I want to learn more. And I said, you just made my day. Because she went from this idea that most of us have that resistance is to be overcome. People always say to me, like for marketing, like you want to overcome resistance. No, you don't want to overcome it. You want to resolve it. You want to navigate it. You want to get the information and the richness. You want to get the gold from it. But you don't want to be stuck in resistance. You want to honor yeah. it, right? So all of this is related. Why do we resist? We're afraid of what's coming. We've had trauma. We're afraid to move and be, especially high achievers, right? Because you know the, they've got a couple of unique things. One is they, if they've been a high achiever, they have a lot more to lose, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's Very money, true. family, family status, uh, whatever arena they feel they've achieved in, right? They've got more to lose. They're also really good. You were talking before, Maurice, about that manipulation. So put another way, they're really good at maneuvering what mm -hmm. they say, what they don't say. They can go into a coach or a therapist and they can just like bring them over here. I mean, all the way in another direction, right? And a lot of people can do it, but nobody does it as well as these high achievers. And why do they do that? They do it to protect themselves. Yeah. And so I'll often ask people when they are really in that, I just want to ask you a question. Are you, you know, in this, when they really seem to be stuck in it because you don't want to change or are you really asking me to help you to move through it? Because either one I'll respect. If you're not about that, you may not be the person to work with me because I really am much more about people that are like, okay, not like let's do it, push through, push down, but people who want to grow and resolve and release and move into their fullest power in a really positive way. They can be really creative and see infinite possibilities and have a lot of courage, but not courage because they're stealing themselves. Courage because they have really come to a point where they don't, they learn how to not get weakened by things for more than a little bit. I mean, they're humans. So all of us are going to feel things, but I teach people to like you know how when you're going to get a cold you kind of feel it before right you kind of like have a sense so one of the things that i teach people to do is to recognize the before the before the before of when they're starting to go weak about something so yeah. that it's easier to shift it 
not that you can't later, but it's much easier. So when you start to now feel, I can feel it is happening, then you can make those shifts and you can really start to choose who you want to be. So what I really look at it is that core of mastering your state, mastering your, what I call the hidden power drivers, right? The hidden power drivers. So it's like, People say transference is bad. No, transference, like how you react to somebody, like they remind you of somebody else, right? That's kind of a fancy way of saying it. It's used in the therapeutic relationship, but we all do it all the time. You meet somebody and you just don't like them or you don't trust them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's about them, but sometimes it's about somebody totally different. I teach people to feel that disconnection that they have or they're about to have. All of these different aspects so that you really can start to move into being a different state of being which is in us it's not like i'm teaching sam to be you know john um or sue uh i'm teaching them to be more of who they truly are mm -hmm. in a way that it just kind of like it feels very natural it feels very light your body feels better not every single day sometimes people will walk out and say dr gay um but mostly we laugh a lot when we're working mm -hmm. yeah. we laugh a lot because that process of transformation, while can have pain, it can also have a lot of joy and a different way of looking at ourselves. You know, instead of being shamed or like thinking, oh my God, I did it again, we can kind of laugh about the integrity that we've had that's kept us from changing. Or how, you know, I always say that I'm the resistor in chief. Nobody <laughs> knows it better than me. I do really good at resisting really, really good at resisting so that I've learned it intimately. You know, how can I teach it? Been there, done that, and sometimes still enjoy it. And, you know, my husband will say, you know, you teach this and you're doing it. I'll say, yep, I am. But the cool <laughs> thing is when you own it, you can only do it for so long. Mm -hmm. So then I have to say to myself, okay, so you're doing this thing. How long would you like to be that? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not really who you want to be in this life. So like 30 seconds, five minutes, five weeks, five, you know, like just your choice. And I think when it gets to the place where it's our choice, people will make better choices. So that's a lot of voices from, uh, from season one, all the way back to episode two. Um, I think, it, I think there's a lot to learn there. Um, Maurice, I just can't wait to see what's next, man. <laughs> Well, first of all, um, if you are interested in, in any of those episodes, you're going to find a full list of uh, what the full episodes are that we teased here in this little um, best of um, summaries. But um, we have a little surprise in the next episode. Um, but for that, you're going to have to dial in, click in, however you're digesting this. Um, but yeah, um, next episode is episode 25. It's also our season finale and uh, it's going to be fantastic. See y'all next time. See you next time. Bye-bye.